This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hello and welcome to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas. And Self Work is a podcast meant for people who are interested in psychological topics, whether or not you've ever been in therapy before, or maybe you would never darken the door of a therapist, but are sort of interested in what a psychologist might have to say. If so, Self Work is for you. In today's podcast, I'm going to share more of my own story about my struggle with liking myself or focusing on myself and creating a life that I was proud of. I was very attracted to the bad boys, and then I'm not going to go too deep into the reasons for that, not today at least. But first, I want to say my story is only that, my story. But perhaps it can give you a few clues as to what may be standing in your way of liking your own life. I see a lot of college girls in my practice, and a lot of them tell me that they're very attracted to men who have problems, the ones that they decide they can change, that they can convince him that love can be a wonderful thing. And I'm going to talk about really the life-altering experience it took to show me what was really going on in those relationships that I was participating in. Now, I mentioned bad boys, but of course, they're men that are attracted to women who don't really know how to give back either. Of course, I have to throw a little psychology in there, so we're going to talk about Maslow's motivational theory to help us try to understand a little bit about the problem between a sense of belonging and a need for good self-esteem. Which comes first, self-esteem or belonging? And today's listener email is about a reaction to episode 46, where we talked about responses to trauma fight, flight, freeze, or fold. And I'll share with you what the reader had to say about her own reaction to that episode. So thanks for being here. Today we're going to be talking about focusing on your own life and creating one that you like. In the second grade, I was elected Valentine Queen of my class. I wore a glittery paper crown all day long and dreamed of future ascensions. I'd be Miss Pine Bluff, Miss Arkansas, Miss America. (laughs) I remember the surprising happiness that seeped inside me, wondering finally, after all of seven very long years, if I was really liked, kind of like Sally Fields. You, You like me, you really like me. Years later, I learned that my mother might have had something to do with my quote-unquote election, a suspicion supported by the fact that I won no other contests where the ballot box couldn't be stuffed or the teacher's judgment compromised. I ran for this and was nominated for that, student council, class president, homecoming court. I could go on and on. I never won. You can't say that I didn't try. I kept coming up swinging, sure that once again, I'd feel that crown on my head. But there wasn't going to be any more proof that I was liked. I'd have to figure that out for myself. What was valuable about me? Not only what others might like or dislike, but what I actually liked about myself. I, like many people, did a lousy job of that. 
After high school and leaving whatever shelter or structure living with my parents had offered, I derailed. The only crowns I wore for well over a decade were mistake and misjudgment, being attracted to darker, more complex relationships, the bad boys I talked about a few minutes ago, than I had the maturity to handle, and I used my sexuality to try desperately to connect. Some tried to love me well, but I wasn't having it. I couldn't absorb it. Like I said, I was attracted to the bad boys, the guys that held back, the guys you had to work very hard to hang on to, who weren't good givers, who distrusted women and love, and I was going to be the one to change all that. If you hear yourself in this, man or woman, I hope you'll continue listening. I began slowly waking up to the realization that no one was going to like me more than I liked myself. As long as I kept hammering myself with criticism or being hammered with criticism, shaming myself at every turn, I would attract people, mostly men, who would try to convince me that I was accurate. I didn't have much value, and I was quite good at finding those men. But you see, it was a change that didn't come easily because I was still in an abusive relationship. Whether it was luck or a God thing, I began volunteering at a battered women's shelter. It was life-changing. I saw much more clearly the damage that can be done to someone else's sense of worth by being belittled, demeaned, and manipulated. Isn't it amazing how much easier it is to see when you see it done to someone else, not yourself? I watched as some women went back for very complicated reasons, and others didn't. I had to painfully admit that my own life mimicked theirs. So how could I possibly like me? It was unnerving, scary. But I slowly faced my own shame and decided I had to save myself. I was worth saving. So I got out of that abusive relationship. But what was really life-altering was that my attention traveled from getting what I thought I needed from others to how I might be able to make a difference. As flawed and humiliated as I felt, maybe I could help someone. I went back into therapy. I poured myself into learning as I was in graduate school by that time. It was then and only then that I began liking the life I was creating. And I began to learn to like myself in the process. A couple of years later, I was lucky enough to meet a man whose heart was kind and who wanted me to succeed in this journey of liking me. That was 28 years ago, and he's still around. Now, I said in the intro that I was going to throw a little psychological theory into this. There's something called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs or Motivations. It actually, Maslow talked about this back in the 1940s, but it's been renewed and reassessed and reevaluated. What he said was, we tend to find our emotional stability first in a sense of belonging to a group, and then a true sense of self-esteem can be created afterward. Think about all the ways, for example, you tried to fit in as a teenager, or actually may still be trying to fit in as an adult. You were trying to find that place with others first, a place where you belonged, before you actually may have believed in yourself. Well... When you think about it, maybe therein lies the problem. Because if you spend too much time searching for love and affection, belonging, 
as well as proof that you're valued, and you don't spend enough time and effort on discovering what gives your own life purpose, what gives you an internal sense of pride or conviction, then you'll get stuck. And stuck doesn't feel good. Stuck can lead to a lot of chaos. It's one thing if where you belong or where you find a sense of belonging is a group that's positive and constructive and helpful and wants you to like yourself. But what if you are drawn to people who do not want that for you, who because of their own inadequacies and insecurities want to drag you along with them? They don't want you to like yourself. And so you can get, as I said before, so stuck and never achieve a sense of liking yourself or self-esteem. I have been there and done that. So if you're there, why don't you take a few minutes to write down what you like about the life you're creating right now, what you appreciate about your own perspective, what you like about yourself, what you believe is your own bit of wisdom. And then in another column, write down what your friends, your loved ones, the people who you are surrounding yourself with, what they tell you about yourself, what they think are your strengths, what they admire about you. If those lists aren't anywhere near the same, if there's a huge discrepancy between the things that you know or can own are good things about you and the feedback you get from other people around you, then there's something wrong. You're looking for affirmation from someone or some other people, and they are going to refuse to give it to you. There's no way, given that kind of relationship, that you can build a sense of self-esteem or liking your life. It simply won't happen. But again, let's go back to the two lists. The things that you value about yourself that you like. You like that you're honest. You like that you are sincere you're a good cook or a caring mom or whatever it is that you like about yourself. And the second list doesn't mimic that. You're not getting that information from people who are close to you. You can always question, well, maybe I'm not right. Maybe these things on this second list are more true of me than on the first. Maybe I'm being too easy on myself or something. Having things you like about yourself, having things that you're proud of, that you know are your strengths, that's a good thing. That's not self-adoration or narcissism. It's just taking a little time to recognize your value. But it's something that a bad boy won't support. So focusing on what you want to create, a difference you want to make in the world, the people around you should support you in that. And mirror back to you what are your strengths. I hope you'll like what you discover. Today's listener email was from someone who had a very strong reaction to episode 46, which was about how a woman feels when approached by a Harvey Weinstein. She goes, Hello, Dr. Margaret. I've been listening to your podcast for several months now and have found it useful both in my personal life and also helping with my clients. This must be from a therapist. One podcast in particular stands out. I have shared it, hope you don't mind too much, and of course I don't, on my practice Facebook page and use it in many of my sessions, referring clients to it. 
It was episode 46, How a Woman Feels Around a Harvey Weinstein. I have to tell you, I listen to these in the shower as I'm mentally preparing for my day. During this episode, when you talked about folding, again, the four responses were fight, flight, freeze, or fold. I started yelling, oh, and then she says a curse word, which I have clean lyrics on this show, so I can't say. She said, luckily, I was alone in the house. It felt like so many things clicked into place for me about my own life, my past, and what almost all my female clients describe. Every time I discuss it in session, I get those same chills. I went a step further this week. I was listening to a podcast, which was one of my other personal favorites. I won't give her the name because that might reveal her identity. And they were discussing the Me Too movement. It was another yelling and crying in the shower kind of experience. I wrote them a response and referred to your work, explaining for the young girl they interviewed why she didn't rage against the man attempting to assault her until after he left. She folded. Again, I'm grateful for the work you do. It helps not only potential therapy clients, but we on the front lines as well. And she says, I'm happy to defer to people who know more than I, and am glad that you have made yourself accessible, which I immediately responded to that. Morning. I can't thank you enough for letting me know this. I'm honored that you featured my work on your Facebook page. As far as knowing more than you, I'm not sure about that. I'm a pretty firm believer in the fact that we all have our own bit of wisdom, and I know you have yours. I'm still learning so much from seminars I go to. My best friend, also a therapist, and I laugh frequently about all that we still don't know. In fact, the last training I listened to was with Laurel Parnell, who teaches EMDR, and she put it best. She advised getting comfortable with the wisdom of insecurity, and I quote her, That's how I feel with patients sometimes, going where no man has gone before and feeling somewhat insecure about it. I mention this email because I do believe that we all have our bit of wisdom. In fact, I used that phrase in the podcast just a few minutes ago. Finding your own bit of wisdom, what you know, what life has taught you, what you have to share with others can be tremendously vital for your own happiness and sense of fulfillment. What's your bit of wisdom? Maybe you can spend a little time today thinking about that. I want to thank you all for listening to Self Work. This baby of mine of 16 months now is something I really enjoy doing. And I love your feedback. Thank you so much. For recent ratings and reviews, I cannot thank you enough for that. It's truly motivating, and I'd so appreciate it if more of you could take the few seconds it really takes to leave a rating, that's just hitting a star, or leaving a review, which also can be done anonymously and doesn't take much time either. It lets me know that you're looking forward to the next episode of Self Work. You can subscribe to, of course, and that's absolutely wonderful, almost said divine. You can email me at askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com or go to my website at drmargaretrutherford.com and subscribe there. You'll get a weekly podcast, a weekly blog post. And also, if you subscribe there, you get a copy of my free ebook, Seven Commandments of Good Therapy. I appreciate you being here today. Thank you so much for listening. 
I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work. <laughs>